Chapter 4 of A Game of Chance by a Self-Made Man. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 The Game of Chance As the Fairweather and Summers homesteads, some five acres each, adjoined one another on the suburbs of Northport, it was quite the usual thing of late for Will and Jesse to get home together after their day's work. At closing time on the day that Master Jarvis had his interview with Tessie Rickson, Jesse found Will waiting for her at the gate. "'I'm on time tonight, all right,' he said in a tone of satisfaction as he bowed politely to several of the other girls passing out at the moment. "'Are you glad?' "'I'm afraid it will make you dreadfully conceited if I admit I am,' said Jesse with a tantalizing little laugh. "'You boys do think such an awful lot of yourselves.' "'Come now, Jesse, you're too hard on us,' remonstrated Will with a grin as they started off together. "'Am I?' "'Really? Why, I never look at Lewis Jarvis, but I almost fancy the world isn't quite large enough to hold him comfortably,' laughed the girl. "'Lewis Jarvis is in a class all by himself, so far as this town is concerned. I shouldn't feel at all flattered if you compared me with him. I certainly wouldn't think of doing such a thing. He isn't a real boy. And just think, he calls himself a gentleman because he doesn't have to work and because his father is looked upon as one of the biggest men in town. A gentleman wouldn't act the way he did the night before last, said Jesse scornfully. I should say not, answered Will emphatically. He didn't lose any time trying to get me bounced because I interfered on your behalf, but his pull didn't seem to work. He's mean enough to do almost anything. Of course, he's got it in for me now but I ain't afraid of anything he can do. There isn't anything against me at the mill, and I don't propose there shall be, as I make it a point to attend strictly to my business during working hours. Mother says you're bound to become a successful man if you live, said the girl with a look of admiration at her escort. That's what I'm aiming for, replied the boy with modest confidence. You intend to become an engineer, I suppose? Certainly, but I don't mean to stop at that. One of these days I hope to own at least a part of a mill myself, and a thorough knowledge of the requirements of the engine room ought to be of great value to the proprietor himself. You're aiming high, Will, said Jesse with a smile. I think every young fellow ought to aim high in this world if he ever expects to land in a good place where he can make money. That's something many boys, Lewis Jarvis, for instance, don't feel called upon to worry about. The money is already provided for them in advance. All the same, I wouldn't change places with Lewis Jarvis. Money isn't everything, not by a long shot. It sometimes has wings and disappears all of a sudden. If he puts all his reliance on his father's wealth, and it should happen to get away from him one of these days after he has grown up, where will he be at? I'm not good at guessing conundrums, Will, laughed the girl. And that reminds me of a conundrum with which you are connected, and which I have been trying hard to solve ever since last winter. "'What's that, Jesse?' asked the boy curiously. "'The girls all call it Will Sommer's folly whenever they speak about it.' "'Oh, I know what you refer to now,' grinned the boy. "'And perhaps they may be right, though until the fact be proved, I must beg to differ with them. I call it a game of chance. It's a toss-up whether I come out ahead or not. But I think the odds, if anything, should be in my favor, for I have worked the thing on a sort of scientific basis.' While I feel confident I have gone the right way about it to reach results, it doesn't follow that I shall succeed. When dealing with such a treacherous proposition as the quaking bog, as the people call it, 
or the ten-acre swamp lot, as I call it, a fellow can't feel very sure where he's going to come out. Success means a good thing, Jesse. Failure means, well, the loss of twenty-five dollars cash, and a great many hours of the hardest work I ever put into my life. But, worst of all, it'll mean the grand laugh at my expense. Do let me into the secret, won't you? said Jesse persuasively, for there is a secret, I know. You're too smart a boy to go into any scheme blindfolded. It isn't like you. It may be a game of chance, as you call it, but I'm certain there's some method in your madness. Well, Jesse, at least I had the advantage of one man's failure to give me a wrinkle before I went into the thing. It was such a total failure that I wonder you ever took up with it. That's what it was. When Mr. Rickson bought that swamp lot at what he thought was a bargain, he was under the impression that all he had to do was erect a strong dam across the outlet of the bog at the beginning of cold weather, and by confining the water which constantly soaked into the swamp from the springs and small streams from the ledgy hills above, overflow the lot. At first, nobody including myself could understand what he was trying to get at. I remember, laughed Jesse. But when the boom in ice began and the papers were full of accounts of almost fabulous prices paid for ice privileges, which lay convenient for shipping, whether they were mill ponds or freshwater marshes, the object of Mr. Rickson's dam was apparent. Just so, agreed Will. He intended to overflow the swamp to make a ten-acre pond. From the pond thus formed to the wharf below is about two hundred yards, and a descending grade all the way so that by means of a cheap chute, the ice, after having been marked out and cut into proper-sized chunks, could be sent sliding down to the very verge of the wharf, there to be taken on board of vessels ready to receive it. It was a great scheme, wasn't it? Yes, but unfortunately for Mr. Rickson, it turned out a great failure. That's right. Still, how could he guess that the very effort he made to flood the surface of the lot would merely cause the swamp itself to rise until it was nearly level with the land around it? What made it act that way? One would naturally think that the incoming water, finding its escape cut off, would form a pond there. That's the way Mr. Rickson figured, but here's how he came to get left. The roots of the moss and matted grass on which the swamp was composed could find no holding ground on the soft black mud underneath so that inflowing water, finding itself deprived of its usual outlet by the dam, raised the whole mass with it. There was no lack of water, don't you see? But it was under the surface of the swamp instead of overflowing it. What a shame, giggled Jessie as the ludicrous side of the affair came to her. Yes, it was tough on Mr. Rickson, who had expected to sell the ice privilege for several thousand dollars. I should think that ought to have been less than enough for you said Jesse with an inquiring look. It was, only not in the sense you look at it. I admit I gave Mr. Rickson the laugh with the rest, and several times I visited the place to look at the cell. It was on one of those occasions that an idea came to me, so I set my wits to work to put it into tangible shape. I studied the character of the swamp, and the result was satisfactory. Then I sought a means to carry out my plan. I found them at hand, all that remained was the manual labor, for which I could not afford to pay. So I tackled it myself when I could find the time. And you can gamble on it, Jesse. There wasn't an ounce of fun in it. I shouldn't think there was, admitted the girl. Judging from what you told me at the time, though you would not gratify my curiosity by telling me the reason for a proceeding which seemed so senseless to everyone who heard about it, well, I'm telling you now, 
but you must keep it quiet. I won't say a word, honor bright, protested Jessie. I bought the swamp lot and the dam just as it stood for Mr. Rickson for twenty-five dollars. I agreed to remove a big heap of stones as tall as a barn from Farmer Bott's land hard by, on condition that he would let me have the use of his ox team for that purpose. He must have thought you were crazy. Probably did, but he wasn't fool enough to say no, as he had the soft end of the bargain. When the swamp lot had frozen over so that it would bear the ox team, I began to use up all my spare time of night hauling rocks from Boggs Field to the basin in which lay the swamp lot, and I spread them in heaps over the surface of the ice. I'd haste to tell you how many tons I deposited there before the end of winter. I was mighty glad when I got away with the last load. I know all about that, Will Summers. Everybody knows it. Lots of people have gone over there and looked at those piles of rocks and wondered what you were trying to get at. But they couldn't guess any more than I. As it wasn't any business of theirs, I didn't take the trouble to enlighten them. I haven't any use for butters in, Jessie. Do you include me in that remark, Will? If you remember, I was just as curious as anybody else, said the girl with a quizzical smile. Present company always accepted, said the boy hastily, whereat she laughed gaily. Well, she said, I'm waiting patiently for this explanation you promised to give me. I'm still as much in the dark as ever. After I had finished with the rocks, I took down part of the dam and waited. When the ice began to melt with the coming of spring, the stones gradually disappeared among the moss and grass. Then the swamp looked the same as it ever did. Since then, I've simply been waiting. For what, pray? For winter to set in again. This is October. In a week or so, I'll repair the dam and let the water collect. I expect it will be on the surface, not under the swamp this time. Why should it be any different with you than what it was with Mr. Rickson? Because I trust that the rocks, which have gone down pretty evenly into the matted grass and moss, will anchor down the entire surface of the bog. Should this prove to be the case, the formation of a ten-acre pond will be a simple proposition. Oh, exclaimed Jessie, a great light dawning in upon her mind. If it does, I shall have as pretty a pond as you ever saw in your life. A field of clear ice worth at least $3,000 or $4,000. What a head you've got, Will Summers, cried the girl in admiration of his genius. If I fail, my name will resemble the soil under the swamp. What is that? asked Jessie in surprise. Mud, ejaculated Will tersely. End of chapter 4